Matthew chapter number 13. That's where we left off. We finished up Matthew 12 last week. And today we're in Matthew 13. You're going to learn something. Most of you, most of you probably have never heard before. Never heard before. I promise you it will be a blessing to you and a challenge and an encouragement to you today. I want everybody. How many of y'all know Jesus? Raise your hand. You know Jesus. All right. How many of y'all talked to him lately? <clears throat> how many of y'all, y'all need to? Okay. All the rest of you need to put your hands up too. Amen. Hey, I am very, very excited today. Uh, uh, we are, we're going to kick off and start our very first Hispanic service, Hispanic micro church today at two o'clock. And I need everybody to get excited with me and pray that that goes great. Can we give God praise and glory? Amen. We were there. We were there. Uh, practicing last night, practicing some of the songs and, and, uh, I, I need practice. <clears throat> I need practice. It's going to be really good. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I am so excited about that and jacked up about that. Anytime we start a new micro church and see what God's doing, it's incredible. But, but this is something we've been, we've been praying for and looking toward, and it's going to be great. And all God's people say it. All right, let's look at Matthew chapter number 13, and we're going to read a few verses. And, 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 and listen, I want you to go in this. I want you to go in this like you've never heard it before, because we're going to talk about parables. Say that with me. We're going to talk about, parables. say it again. We're going to talk about parables. parables. And, and this has probably been presented to you uh, in a way that was wrong. In other words, uh, I, I, I have seen or I, I even thought this growing up as a kid in church that, you know, that, that he spoke in parables to make it easier for us to understand truth. Are y'all with me? These are picture stories. Now, everybody likes a story, right? Everybody likes illustrated uh, pictures to note. But really, we're going to find out the parables were exactly the opposite Exactly the opposite. And I'll show you what I mean. All right. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number one. When you get there, say amen. amen. The same day, the same day, that's a key. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside and great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore and he spake many things. Now, see, I'm going to let y'all sit down in a minute. They weren't, they weren't allowed. All right. So, so if you get upset that you have to stand a little bit while we read, be glad you wasn't in Jesus's day. Amen. It says they stood by the seashore and he spake many things unto them in parables saying, behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell by the or upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. When the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into the good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who have ears to hear, let him hear. Now here's a, here's a key. Here's a key. This is what we want to try to answer today. Verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, 
and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he had. Therefore speak I to them in parables because, because they seeing see not and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. Watch this. For this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing. And now now say this sentence with me and their eyes, they have closed. Say that with me again. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they shall see or they see and your ears for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Now skip to verse 34. Skip to verse 34. Verse 34, all these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables and without a parable spake he not unto them that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will move in this place. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit. Thank you, Lord, for all those who have followed you in believers baptism. Thank you for the the privilege that we have to be in your house today. Please give me the ability to deliver your word in such a way that everybody in the building can understand clearly what your word has to say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Don't let me forget anything I should. And the Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us today. Be our helper, be our teacher, be our guide through your scriptures. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. This day, this day is a huge, huge day in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. If we were to put a time on this, and this will really be the first point, we're looking, we're looking at about a year before he is crucified, which would be two years toward the end of the second year of his ministry. All right. He came on the scene and, and we're just going to do a little review. Let's just jump right into the outline. Let's just jump right into the outline and uh, to save some time today. And, and we find the first point. Look in verse number one. Look in verse number one and then we'll talk about it. All right. It says this. Verse one, the same Everybody say it. The same day, the same day. Now write that down. First off, here's what we want to see. We want to look at the day. All right. We want to look at the day. We want to look at the time. We want to look at what's going on at this period of time here in the Lord Jesus's ministry. All right. Jesus comes on the scene. He, he is showing himself to be the Messiah. He is showing himself uh, to be the king who was promised. We, we saw, if, you, if you've been here in the last few months, we've been going through the book of Matthew and, and we have discovered his genealogy. We have discovered uh, his bloodline. He's in the bloodline of the king. He has the 
king's messenger, John Baptist, you know, the forerunner to go before the king to announce the presence of the king. Uh, we have the king's constitution. Uh, he presented on, on, on the mount, uh, uh, the sermon on the mount. And we have all of these things. He's doing miracle after miracle after miracle. He is showing that he has the power of the king. We studied about the king's testing. He was tempted in the wilderness and overcome the devil. Somebody say amen right there. He has presented himself to be the king of the Jews and the Messiah who was promised to come. Now we have in the last few weeks, we've been studying severe, extreme opposition. He's been running into opposition after opposition and and rejection after rejection. They called his forerunner, they called his forerunner somebody demon possessed. They called Jesus himself a wine bibber and gluttonous. Then, then they made the accusation that he did the miracles that he did by the power of Satan. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So this is where we're at. This is where we're at. Two years into the ministry. Two years. Now watch this now. You got to stay with me right here. Stay with me. You can't go get no popcorn at this movie. Say amen. Listen, for, for, for time after time after time, over and over and over, he has presented them truth. He has presented them evidence. He has presented them uh, the proof that he was who he says he was. Somebody say amen. Over and over and over and over, he gave them truth. Over and again, he gave them evidence. Over and again, he showed his power. He, he gave them truth after truth after truth after truth. Proof after proof after proof after proof. And their conclusion was this. He's just doing it by the power of the devil. This is the day. This is the day. It has, it has built up. And it has built up and it's culminated into rejection. What is this day? It's a day of unbelief and it's a day of rejection. All right, say that with me. It's a day of and a day of. Now watch this now. Watch this. The verse says this same day. This same day. All right, it has, it has. As my grandmother used to say, it has come to a head. It has been building up. It has been building up and it has been building up and it has come to a head. The Pharisees, the leaders of Israel, the leaders of the nation, if you will, who represented the people, it has finally come to a point. They have made their decision. They have come to a conclusion about who Jesus is. And that conclusion is this. He does what he does by the power of the devil. And what Jesus say about that? He said, you can blaspheme the son, but when you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you cannot be forgiven. And so this is what happens. Everything changes. Everything changes. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to lie. I never realized this until I started digging into this, that up until this day, all right, say with me, up until, up until this day, Jesus never spoke a parable. There were no parables before this day. None. Jesus always spoke plainly. He spoke expressly. Uh, Look through the Sermon on the Mount. I challenge you. Go look through the Sermon on the Mount. See if you see any parables there. Any parable. And by the way, nobody spoke parables but the Lord Jesus. And you'll see why at the end of this. 
But we see there was no parables up into this. It was clear presentation. It was clear teaching. It was exponential uh, 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 scripture delivery from the Lord. He would take Old Testament scriptures and deliver it and put it out plainly up until. Oh, some of y'all slow. Up until. Now watch. Look in verse 34. Look in verse 34. This is going to be more like a Bible study. I'm sorry, but, but this is so important that we get this. Verse 34. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude. That's key. That means out in public. That means out in public, in his public speaking. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. In other words, in other words, in the beginning, in the beginning of his ministry, he came and he taught and he preached and he sermonized and he made it plain. He made it, listen, specific. He described it. He laid it out in such a way that everybody could understand until this day. From this day forward, from this day forward, anytime he went into the public, Anytime he spoke to the multitudes, he always spoke in parables, parables. Now there are, there are people that mean well, but don't know what they're talking about who try to say, well, Jesus saw, Jesus saw that he wasn't getting through to them. So he began to speak in parables so they would understand wrong, wrong. That's not what that's not what it's about. Now, let's look at number two. Let's look at number two. We see number one. Say it it with me. The day. Now, can everybody understand? This was a day of rejection. It was a day of opposition. It was a day of unbelief. this, This had been building up. This had been building up to the point that they made their decision that he is of the devil. Can we all say amen right there? All right. Number two. Let's look at the deed. We see the day, we understand the atmosphere, but let's look at the deed. What did Jesus begin to do? Verse two, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore and he spake many things unto them in parables. Now, what is a parable? A parable is a, 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 a picture, a word picture, if you will. A word picture. Uh, it, if you study the, the, the specific word out, it means run parallel. In other words, there's two things that run parallel together. It is, it is, a, it is an illustration, a picture illustration of a spiritual truth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, here's one thing I want you to get in your head. Every parable, every parable was spoken by Jesus. Nobody spoke parables but Jesus. Listen, all the parables, how many of them? All the parables have to do with salvation. All of them. There's no such thing as a parenting parable. Are y'all with me? What do you mean by that? Uh, Some people try to take verses in the Bible and they have something to say. Now, here's the key. They have something to say and they try to fit this verse to say what they already want to. And so they'll twist it around to say what they want to say. That's not the way it's supposed to be done. You're supposed to take the Bible 
and say what the Bible says. You cannot predetermine what you want to say and try to get the Bible to back up what you say. Because if you do that, you got too much you involved. And that's how churches are full of opinions. That's how churches are full of preferences and legalistic activity because people want to say something and try to get God to back up what they say. We don't need to say anything but what the Lord says and that's all that needs to be said. Amen. But watch what happens. Let's, let's just take the prodigal son. Let's take the prodigal son, for example. People have twisted and turned and, and, and manipulated that parable. And that parable, they say, well, this is a parable of parenting. The prodigal son went haywire because there was not a mother involved in the situation. Because he didn't have a mother, he has gone astray. Baloney. We don't know that he didn't have a mama. He probably had a mama. Are y'all with me? And, and so if it's about parenting, then the hero of that story would be the one that stayed home. The one that didn't go to a foreign land, the one that didn't waste his substance on riotous living. But do you realize that whole parable is about the one that stayed home and he was wrong? The one that stayed home represented the Pharisees who didn't like the sinners getting saved and God welcoming the somebody say, mate. If you don't understand this fact, you will never understand parables. All the parables were spoken by Jesus and nobody spoke parables but Jesus. And they all had to do with salvation. And I know what you're thinking. What's the big deal? Okay. No, you, it's a big deal. Because if you don't understand that, you won't understand the parables. And the purpose of the parables. All of them were spoke by Jesus. Nobody spoken but Jesus. They were all, every single parable had to do with salvation. Yeah. Spoken by Jesus. Now watch this. Two things. We see the deed, right? The deed. What did Jesus do? First, first write this down. He changed his message delivery. Write that down. <clears throat> he changed his message delivery. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Instead of saying, instead of saying, hey, he spoke in a plain way, in an easy to understand way, in a simple format, just taking a scripture and explaining the scripture. Now he's speaking in something that's going to cause confusion. Something is now he's speaking in a way where he has to come behind and explain what it meant. Because if we'll see in the same chapter, you'll find the disciples coming. Hey, what do you mean by that? Can you explain that to us? You see what I mean by he, expl- he, he changed his message delivery. It was no longer simplistic. It was no longer easy to understand. It was no longer easy to pick up. And I know what you're thinking. Why would he do that? Oh. Yeah. Why would he do that? Not only did he change his message delivery, he changed his ministry deportment. Deportment means activity. What did the verse say in 34? Anytime he went out in public from that point on, he always spoke in. Now watch this. Let's put it. Let's put it in the way we talk. From that point on, every time he went out in the public, 
He spoke in a way that would be confusing to the majority of the people. Let that simmer a minute. Why in the world would Jesus speak in a way to intentionally confuse those who he's speaking to? Quiet, ain't it? That's a good question. That's a good question. And you know what? It was such a big question. His disciples Ask the same thing. Why are you doing this? You see, it was huge to them. He'd never talked like that before. He never spoke like that before. Everything else he, he said before was easy to understand, was easy to pick out, was easy to decipher. And now you're speaking in riddles. You're speaking in riddles. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Number three. Number three. We're going to get somewhere. We're going to get somewhere. So y'all are like the ones sitting in the living room while we're setting the table in the dining room and you can smell the biscuits. You just ain't allowed to have them yet. But when you finally get into the dining room and you can take that biscuit and sop up that gravy, somebody say it, man, there will be gravy at the end of this message. But be patient, be patient. Amen. Number three, number three. What was number one? We see the, the day. Number two, we see the, the deed. Does everybody see that? Jesus has changed everything. He's changed his way of operating. He's changed his way of teaching. He's completely changed the way of ministry. Is everybody with me? Say amen. All right. Number three, we see the decision. This is huge. This is the meat of the message. We see the decision. We see this. Let's go back in, in 13 and, and look in, in, in verse 10. <clears throat> verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, read it with me. Why speakest thou unto them? That's a key. That's a key. Why speakest thou unto them? Them. Who's the them? The them is the ones who've been opposing him. The them is those who have rejected him and have operated in unbelief and have come to the conclusion that this man doeth what he doeth by the power of the devil. And they represented the nation as a whole. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Watch this. Why speakest thou unto them in parables. He answered and said unto them, because it is given or granted, it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it is not given for whosoever hath to him shall be given and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away. Even that he had therefore speak I to them in parables because they seeing see not And hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, 
which saith, by hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive for this people's heart is wax grove and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. In other words, I'm going to speak in a way that they cannot be saved. I'm going to speak in a way that they cannot understand. I'm going to speak in a way that they will not understand and be converted. Now that's tough. And we're thinking, oh my goodness. Why would Jesus do that? Let's look. Let's look. Look what it says in John 5. Look in your notes. And by the way, if you're new to Temple, if you're new to Temple, you had not been here just a couple weeks, uh, we have the outlines on the walls, on, on racks on the walls as you come in every entrance, and it would do you good to grab one and follow along with us. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. All right. Now, here's, let's look at your notes right here. Look at your notes. Look in, 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 in the, the verse below. John 5, 22. John 5, 22. Y'all with me? For the father, what's that next word? Judgeth no man. The father is talking about the father in heaven, God, the father. Okay. So God, the father judgeth no man. Watch this. But hath committed all what? Judgment unto the. So God, the father has committed all judgment unto God, the who is Jesus. In other words, Jesus is the judge. All judgment of all mankind has been committed and given to Jesus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Look at the next verse. Verse 27. And hath given him authority. Watch this. To execute judgment. That's a key. God the Father has given authority to God the Son to execute judgment. Also, because he is the son of man. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? You ever, you ever heard people say this? Only God can judge me. How many of y'all heard that? You know what I want to say? He is. He will. You should not be arrogant and cocky when you say that because it's going to happen. But watch this. If we want to be real about it, if we want to be specific about it and scriptural about it, we need to say Jesus is going to judge me. All judgment has been given to Jesus. He alone has the authority and the right to watch this execute. Now watch on this day. On this day of rejection, on this day of unbelief, on this day of it coming to a head and the culmination of all their rejection and all their belief and their choice, according to the scripture, it says they chose, they closed their eyes so they would not see. And because of their unbelief, because of their rejection, Jesus executed judgment. He executed judgment. How did he execute judgment? 
by speaking in parables that from that point on, they would not understand. Jesus, as the judge, dropped the hammer of judgment and he began to speak in languages. He began to speak in words. He began to speak in stories that the unbelievers, though that have chose to reject Christ, would not or could not understand. If you look at the parables in the Old Testament, let's just take one for example. How many of y'all remember when Nathan, Nathan came to David and he told the story of the little lamb? He told the parable of the little lamb. Do you know what that had to do with? Judgment. Judgment. Now this is important, guys. This is important. Don't fall away. Don't fall away. Don't don't fall away. This is important. The parables was a judgment upon unbelievers and Christ rejectors for them turning their backs on the Lord Jesus. The son who had all authority and had judgment committed to him, had the right and the authority in that day to execute judgment upon the unbelievers and the parables was a judgment from Jesus so that they would not believe. That's heavy. That's heavy. Because most of your life, you probably looked at parables as Jesus trying to make it easier for you to understand. If you stay in scripture and you stay biblical, you will find out that parables was the exact opposite. It was not Jesus making it easier for them to understand. It was making, Jesus was making it harder and impossible for them to understand truth. He had executed judgment. Because up until that time, They had the opportunity up until that time. They had the privilege. He even said this. He said, the prophets of old wish to hear what you get to hear and to see what you get to see. In other words, this was an unbelievably privileged generation who got to see things and hear things and experience the very son of God walking upon this earth to the point that their rejection was going to cause Sodom and Gomorrah to stand and rise in judgment against them. The men of Nineveh would stand and judge them because of their rejection. The awesome privilege that they had and the unbelievable rejection and unbelief that they showed. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus executed judgment. If your conclusion is that the son of man doeth miracles by the devil, then you have spoken your own demise. And from that point on, Whenever he addressed the crowds, whenever he addressed the Pharisees, he only spoke in. And they said, why? He said, because for you, now speaking to the disciples, the disciples represented believers. Say that with me. The disciples represented. He said to you, it's granted. To you, you will understand. You will be given The definition, you will be given the explanation. By the way, he did, if you'll you'll keep reading. But to them, the disciples represented the unbelievers. The Pharisees represented the, or excuse me, excuse me, back up. The disciples represented the believers and the Pharisees represented the unbelievers. Now, what can we, what conclusion can we draw from this? Because this is going to be the fourth point. We see the determination. The determination. 
What does that have to do with us? Well, let's, let's, let's understand. Let's understand. You remember when I said it's important to know that Jesus was the only one that spoke in parables? You remember when I said that? Y- y'all don't remember? I just said it a while ago. Jesus was the only one who spoke in parables. Why is that? Because Jesus was the only one who had the authority to execute judgment. You don't see Paul speaking in parables. You don't see Peter speaking in parables. Why? Because they don't have authority. And they don't have the right. Judgment was not committed unto them because parables was about judgment. It was a decision by the Lord Jesus to execute judgment on those who refused to believe and refused to believe and reject. Listen, they rejected him. And for that, they've been judged. Now watch this. Point number four is going to show how it applies to us. I know what you're thinking. What does any of that have to do with us? We have clear scriptures. We have the full canon of scripture. We have Genesis to Revelation. Man, we have, we, yes, you're privileged, undoubtedly. Matter of fact, if you want to be real specific, you're more privileged than the disciples that walk with him. Because they only had the Old Testament scriptures. You've got the old and the new. You've got the complete revelation of God's word. His mind on paper. Before before I get to that last point, and I I got plenty of time. I'm watching the clock. We're early. (laughs) This judgment seems very harsh. This judgment, it makes Jesus sound like a bad person or mean. Why did he do that? Why did he intentionally speak in a way that they could not understand then? There's no way they can get saved now. That's true. But watch this. Even in judgment, he showed mercy. Well, I don't see no mercy in in them not being able to understand. Okay, let me help you. And this builds up to point four. How many of y'all know the Bible says, to whom much is given? Okay, some of y'all know. To whom much is Given. given, then much will be do you know what that was talking about? The illustration that Jesus gave? It was, a, it was an illustration of a disobedient servant who was going to get a whooping, a flogging, if you will, for his behavior. And what Jesus is saying, those who was guilty of a lot is going to get many stripes. And those who were guilty of a little is going to get few stripes. Now watch this, watch this. How is this merciful, what Jesus is doing? Because he's given them truth after truth after truth after truth after truth. And now, now up until this point, they're going to be held accountable and judged at the great white throne judgment and punished according to what they knew and the privilege they had and the opportunities they rejected. And the truth that they turned their nose up at, they're going to be held accountable up until this point. But from this point on, they do not understand. 
So Jesus is stopping their accountability at that point. So in the judgment, the great white throne judgment, there will be more mercy. Are y'all with me? Because if he kept giving them truth and kept giving them truth and kept giving them truth all the way to the point that they died, they would be held accountable for all of the truth. So in reality, even in judgment, Jesus showed mercy. Does this make sense? Well, what does this got to do with us? Let me explain number four and we're done. Look in verse, look in verse, look in verse number 15, verse number 15. Well, let's go back to 13, go back to 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables because they seeing, see not and hearing they neither. What does that mean? What does that mean? How many of y'all have ever, how many of y'all have ever been talking with somebody and trying to convince them of a truth and you showed all the evidence and they're hearing you, but they've done made up their mind. And it doesn't matter how much truth you show them. Doesn't matter how much evidence you show them. Doesn't matter how much proof they've already determined what they want to believe and they hear, but they hear not. You know what I found out about people? And I work with people every day. But Samuel, if people are not looking for truth, they'll never see it. If they're not looking for it, they'll never see it. No matter how much I put in front of them, they'll never see it. Now watch. Now watch. It says this. Verse 15. Verse 15. Everybody there? Hurry, hurry, get there. Verse 15. For this people's heart is waxed gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should with their heart. Watch this. I want to read, I want to read L.R. Shelton Sr., wrote in, in, in his article on the hardened heart. Now give me just a second. Give me just a second and listen close. I'm going to read his article and then I'm going to explain in Alabama terms. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now listen, the word gross means fat or oily and was used in the Greek as a medical term on a prescription. Now oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit who takes the word of God and nourishes the saint, the body of Christ and applies the word to the heart of the sinner in conviction of sin. If an individual takes in more fat than he uses up, the oil is stored in the tissues and layers called fat. Fat is simply cells engorged with oil and has no nerves or blood vessels. Too much fat makes the individual lazy and inactive. A physical lethargy sets in. The final state is known as fatty degeneration, which is fatal. Now watch this. Look at the explanation. When the heart, what did he say in verse 15? For the people's heart is waxed gross. And the word gross there means fat. When the heart is waxed gross, 
Fatty degeneration has set in. And the individual is in the last stages before death results. There is a point in the development of fatty degeneration at which hope of recovery fails. Now, what brings about fatty degeneration or a gross heart spiritually as spoken of in Matthew 13, 15? Now, listen, the Holy Spirit is constantly feeding a people on the word of God, applying it in conviction of sin. And the individual remains what? Inactive. Does not apply it to himself in repentance and faith. Active faith. Faith that lays hold of Christ. Watch this now. Then that oil, that very thing that is supposed to bring healing and is supposed to bring deliverance and and that, that oil of grace, the Holy Spirit. Listen, which brings enlightenment. Is stored up in stupid lethargy. Which in turn brings a or becomes a gross or fatty heart. Watch this. That is incapable of responding to the influence of the Holy Spirit's gracious work. Now, let me explain that in the way we talk. Now, listen, everybody. Listen, everybody. Did I give you the last point? What, what was it? I don't even remember. The determination. That's right. Now, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. I don't think there's any, any points under that. Look at me. Look at me. Everybody, don't miss this. There are people that have come to church year after year, week after week, month after month, and you've been presented with the oil. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has been presenting you with truth. And with evidence of your need for Jesus. And you've been hearing the word over and over and over and over and over again. Just like, just like the people in Matthew 13 who for two years of the Lord Jesus' ministry has been hearing the word, has been seeing the evidence, has been seeing the proof over and over and over and over again till the point it builds up to a point that they cannot respond to the wooing of the Holy Spirit. Preacher, what are you saying? Jesus on that day pronounced judgment. Come on. Jesus on that day pronounced. You know what that tells me? This is in plain language, guys. This is easy. The only way I know to tell you. Jesus will not put up with rejection very long. There is coming a day when there will be a cutoff time. The word says this, my spirit shall not always strive with man. The word strive means to, to argue with, to try to convince, to try to bring you. What is the point? Listen, you've been coming to church over and over and over again. And you've been presented with the truth that you are a sinner in need of a savior. And he wants to save you. He wants you to repent of your sins. And you hear the truth. You keep coming back and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And it's building up. You don't even know it. It's building up a layer. It's building up a wall around your heart to the point that your heart is 
going to get so thick and so callous and so hardened that no matter what the preacher says, you won't believe. And you know what Jesus says? Today is the day of salvation. Don't leave here with a hard heart. If Jesus, and by the way, by the way, everybody look at me, everybody look at me, please, please. Preacher, I don't like the way I'm feeling right now. I don't like this conviction. I don't like this. You me tell you what'll be worse when you don't feel something. Because when you get to that place after being convicted and being drawn and being drawn and being drawn and being wooed and the Holy Spirit telling you to come, telling you to come, telling you to come and that cut off day, then you won't be drawn again. And at that point, the old timers used to say that this, you've sinned away your day of grace. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to scare nobody. I'm just telling you the truth. Because if you keep postponing, you keep procrastinating, you keep putting off the Holy Spirit drawing you. There's going to come a time of cutoff. And for the people in Jesus's day, it was that day. From that point on. He never spoke in a way that they would be able to understand and be saved because they on purpose closed their eyes and chose not to see. Today's the day, guys. Today, not tomorrow, not next month, not when I get out of school, not when I get my act together. Today is the day of salvation. Don't leave without knowing Jesus today. And all God's people say it.